Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. And I'm Augusto Pinaud. I'm Francis Wade. And I'm Mark Gelwicks. Welcome, gentlemen, and welcome to our listeners. Uh, before we started recording, uh, we started to have a conversation about really uh, the generational divide in use of technology and their differences in experiencing as well as thinking about the strengths and weaknesses of those different generations. And so uh, we're turning on the recording and we're going to actually uh, continue this conversation. <laughs> so, so um, Francis, can you, can you kick us off in terms of what prompted this discussion for for us, and then we can pick up from there. Sure. So I just finished an online conference with 73 speakers, and there's a difference between the younger speakers, some of whom are, are millennials, but younger, more technology savvy, and those who are older and less technology savvy. And it, it, it has to do, I think, the younger generation have their access on lots of technology and they know how to get their message out so they can put together a message and get it out on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, their, their own blog. They, they could get it out in, in half an hour and all of a sudden a thousand people are reading what they wrote. Whereas an older person who doesn't even have a blog would struggle to, they could write something like an article but they would struggle to get it past their desktop. They, they, they wouldn't know what to do with it after that because they don't have a knowledge of how do you get a message out to, to other people. However, even though there's this big gap in technology, the wisdom gap is there. So we noticed that the younger generation, while they're good at getting their message out, they don't have a lot that's new to say. So this, this showed up as we surveyed the 73 speeches that we got. But the older generation have all these deep thoughts and all these, these you know, they, they have ideas that are complex that have been developed over the years. They're not simplistic. They're, they're deep and they, they pull from experience and, and they're well-read and, and they're way more interesting. You know, they're, they're way more meaty. They're not Me Too kind of posts, which is the younger generation. I hate to overgeneralize, but a lot of the presentations that we saw were Me Too. They were kind of like, that's been said before. But the older generation were the ones really doing the new thinking. But this gap exists. So the older generation may have these new thoughts, but they have no way to get them out of their heads or off their desktops. Younger generation are publishing like crazy, but... It's all Me Too stuff. It's all been there and done that. So I thought I'd, I'd share that. I'd say, what should we do about this? If it's a real problem, what, if anything, can be done about it? This is where I get into such a challenge with this. The old, I, and I'm, I'm going to hate saying the older and younger generation, but it's the only way to put brackets around this. The reason why I think a lot of the older generation has this, quote, deeper thought about it is because, yes, they've heard the other stuff before. They've heard the 101 version and the 201 version and the 301 version of the thinking. And before they voice something, they're going, yeah, I've heard that or somebody else said that or somebody else did that back in 1969. And that's why doesn't mean that the younger generation, even though they're talking about the same thing, may not have a new spin on it. And 
the analogy that came to mind as, as you were outlining this, I'm sure Gutenberg's seniors said, hey, you know what? They got this mechanical press thing. They're printing stuff, but do they really have something to say? It's the same mindset and argument over and over, generation to generation. The challenge we run into now is that there is a technology gap still for many people. They aren't they aren't fluid and they aren't fluent in using some of the technology that streamlines the distribution of content. And that's really what I think is the the core issue here. Is it are, are we questioning the fact that they're better at distribution or are we questioning the fact of what they're distributing? Are we saying that one group has better quality content, but poorer distribution mechanisms and the other one has better distribution, but or better content, but poorer distribution? I don't know. I just confused the two things. But anyway, you see where I'm going with it. Here's where I think the rub is. The two sides have to kind of suck it up and learn from each other. Because we always picture this generational thing as one group behind the other one. And I think this is one of those topics where you can't do that. You can't look at it at a generation and say, oh, okay, they will catch up to us. No, they are learning in a parallel path. Their learnings are focusing in different areas. They will eventually have not only the distribution understanding, but also that content depth that comes with time. Well, <laughs> if we want to match that on the older side, me being one of those older guys, I'm not going to just continue the time part of it and pick up the wisdom piece. I have to dedicate time and effort to learning the distribution part because that's not going to come along with time. So both of these are happening simultaneously. The other thing is they have more time. They literally have more years available to them to master these skills and this content than what I have remaining. So again, I have to look at it from the perspective of, yeah, I may want to say that their ideas aren't as refined as of yet. And in some cases they aren't, in some cases they are. Uh, but where's the benefit to me? If I have a message that I want to deliver, I want to be productively distributing this content that I feel strongly about to an audience. Where's the best way to learn how to do that? Well, I don't think it's going to lynda.com. I'm pretty sure it's going and talking with people who are doing it effectively. I think this leads to a, a sort of a strange phenomenon, which I've noticed. So there's 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 someone I, I've been following on LinkedIn who has several million followers. And the person has written three books and posts on a regular basis. And a younger person. And as I read, as I read the person's content books, I've read part of the books, I've read, I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling to f try to find something of, any kind of, I hate to, this sounds mean, but substance. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm reading it. The person claims to be an expert, which many millennials do at age 25, 30. So, oh yeah, I'm an expert in, in employee engagement, for example. But when you actually read and say, okay, what are they saying as a self-proclaimed expert? You see, well, what they're really good at is telling people that they're expert and being able to claim and claim this 
for millions of people. But to actually say something expert is is the part that's missing. And I think the the what's a little bit different than what we had back in our day art is that the technology exists for you to get um, several million people reading what you write, which is amazing. But there's a, a route you have to go, or and I don't think this has changed, to become a real expert where you have something that other experts look at and say, yes, this is really of value. This is breakthrough thinking. Today, you can get millions of followers by just basically tricking out LinkedIn or tricking out Twitter or tricking out Facebook, using it in a particular way, saying the bare minimum to get in the door. And that's basically enough. So this is a bit, this is a bit different. This is an acceleration. No, no, no. I'm going to, and I'm going to argue with, yeah, I'm going to argue that it's, it's different. And here's why, because if you take out the real difference here is the fact that you know how many people are supposedly looking at that person's content. And now what you're doing is you're saying, okay, I'm looking at their content and I have, I see it as of questionable or dubious value. Why are 3 million people looking at that where I have content that I think is really valuable and I have 20 people looking at it. And if you take the social media piece out of it, we used to do the same things that was called the New York Times bestseller list. It was the same thing. You would, you would publish a book. It would hit the bestseller list. All of a sudden, that person was, you know, an expert in the talk of the daytime talk shows. It's the it was the same model. Now, other people in their field were probably looking at that book, going, "Eh, I don't see anything of interest there. I don't see anything new." But they're looking at the visibility, and that's where I have to push back on all of this stuff and say, "Look, the one factor you have to take out of this equation is this number." This, this followers thing, this is going to drive people nuts. That's completely phony. It is fake. It is made up. It is garbage numbers. If you are evaluating the impact of your content based on the number of followers, you are kidding yourself. It's like stock options in the 80s or in the, yeah, in the 90s for dot coms. You're, you're just kidding yourself when you think there's actual value to that because followers just mean they want a notification to pop up and say, oh, something, something's happening. Why? Because followers go back to fear of missing out. They just want to know, just want to know, just want to know. They're not looking for huge depth of information. That's a very small portion of a follower segment. But if we look at it on an individual basis, what is the content that that person is producing? Does it have impact? Does it have value? Does it help escalate and improve and deepen the conversation? Then yes, there's a huge value to that. And sometimes somebody gets a few things of those and other times they don't. We can all look through our content that we've created. I can go through my blog list and go, yeah, there's about 20 articles in there. They're the mental equivalent of cotton candy. They're horrible. Everybody has that mixed balance, but it has, it really has nothing to do with generation. It really has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with where along the evolution of your thinking that you are and how you're sharing that thinking. I mean, look at how many professionals we know who are really, really deep thinkers. 
but you stumble across them because they happen to get mentioned someplace, not because they have a major social media presence, because they're terrible at, at getting the world to know, but man, are they good thinkers. They have great ideas. Flip side of the coin, you've got a lot of people our age putting out a lot of ideas that are the mental equivalent of a rice cake. And yet thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are following that. To what purpose? To what end? So what, let me flip it around then, because we, we keep saying who's doing it wrong. How should this be done right? I mean, there's nobody on this podcast who's a millennial. I mean, we're, we'll all fest to that. So if somebody's trying to find a voice for their message, what guidance can we give? I'll, I'll start with kind of a, a, a perspective, which is that I spend a lot of time training small businesses, and I'm training them on both digital marketing and productivity, and because I see those two being such... Uh, tightly interwoven pieces. Uh, business owners typically are coming uh, to these trainings because one, they don't know how to market themselves. So they're learning marketing and digital marketing specifically uh, because they didn't grow up in that era of, of experiencing digital marketing. They, they know it's important. They know they need to go out there and market their business. And they know that doing that in the digital age requires them to learn new skills. Uh, younger people come to uh, workshops and seminars and, and webinars and so on and so forth to learn those same skills, but they're much more savvy with the technology. And if we take this outside of that space and move it to productivity, what I find is that those folks who are coming to a, a some kind of learning environment in order to learn productivity skills and or productivity technologies, there there is a gap between the way in which Someone who says, oh, well, I, I know email, um, and email is somehow outdated and antiquated. Those tend to be younger generations. And then when I explain to them how they can use email multi-generationally or cross-generationally to be productive, they have a new paradigm so that they're able to actually operate across multiple generations and be productive in an environment. Because most of the time the conflict is, you know, I would rather use uh, text for things. You know, this is the younger generation saying that to me. Oh, yeah, I, I would rather use, uh, you know, a messenger app or something like that to be able to communicate back and forth, which is why Slack is so uh, kind of powerful these days, uh, because there are millennials and younger. I mean, really, we're talking about the, the generation younger than that uh, in the workforce today that is really excited about using uh, a, a um, what would be more of a real-time communication platform, except they don't understand how dangerous that is to productivity. So their notion is that the world is always on. And so I see that as an opportunity to show them why and how always on is bad, uh, and then how to actually use concentrated periods of time. Basically, teaching them Parkinson's law. You know, if you if you want to if you want to get the the same thing done in two amounts of time, just set a clock and watch yourself get those things done in those two two periods of time. We know that if we use time bound uh, time boundness, we automatically get things done in the time we allot to it. So if we say communication's always on, well, guess what? We're going to get less done because 
if something's always available to us, it might as well never be available to us. Uh, it, there's there's this lack of, of push for us to be able to get things done. So from a productivity perspective, the reality is, is that if we consistently focus on the younger generations not being aware of the fact that they're using technologies in ways that I think are detrimental to them, and older generations are not aware of the technologies in the first place, right? They they know Facebook exists maybe, or we'll say, let's say for the younger generations uh, are using maybe TikTok, uh, older generations are on Facebook, and those things are, are fundamentally different creatures. And when they're talking past each other, when one is like, okay, Slack, and the other one is email, uh, you know, there's a there's a huge chasm there that needs to be kind of divided and come to the center, right? Which is that some communication should be email. It's nothing that we haven't said before, right? Which is that there's a time and a place for each of these types of communications. And it's not just generationally, it's actually the way in which we manage knowledge, right? Knowledge management needs to be done in this way. It's the way in which we should project manage. It's the way in which we should tax, task manage. This is the way, the way we should do time management. Um, we need to be able to find balance and hybridization across all of these features because it's not wrong of younger generations to want to use real-time communication and to do certain things differently. I think that's what helps us move forward in, in, in society and technology. But there's a flip side to that, which is that there's a whole lot of information, I think as Francis is talking about, that's being lost in translation. If we if we only allow younger generations to dominate the technological prowess. And I think it's it, it, technology is evolving so fast that you know you, you could you could if you're a, an up and coming young generator of ideas and you may decide for example that TikTok is the next one that you need to conquer. And you, you put all your energies into figuring out TikTok and how to put together the videos and how to go viral. And you take a TikTok course and you spend like a year mastering TikTok. And that year could have been spent studying whoever the expert is, the real expert is in your area of expertise. I think the technology is going so fast that there's a, there's a there's a kind of a a tendency to to go with what's changing, um, and and by so doing, there's there's an unwitting kind of behavior that you're talking about, which is that they they there's a skipping over of what's already there and what's already valuable, because it's like signal versus noise. Arguably, TikTok is noise, and signal would be something like employee engagement, which is what perhaps the person is really, really focused on. But the technology is so distracting and so, and moving so fast, and it's so hard to keep up that that could really take all of your time. You never actually get to go and read any any experts or any white papers or any article um, journals on employee engagement. You could spend your whole time, like, same for productivity, you could spend your whole time chasing down the next productivity app. And figuring out where it is, how to use it, and look how cool it is, and look what it does. But you never actually focus on answering email, you know, to get to tie up some of the things that we've been talking about. You never figure out how to change your email habits as your email volume increases. Instead, you're chasing down the latest app. I, I think there's a there's a there's like a seduction going on here. Um and it it it, it causes 
it, and it's not it goes in both directions too but but we're focusing on the younger folks for this particular piece it's just easy to get caught up in what's changing and what's sort of flashy and exciting and not to and therefore to to as gusto would say you skip the basics which are email calendar to-do list um notepad and that's it those are the basics and if you don't master those basics and you go chasing after the latest whatever and whatever and whatever you end up being less productive which is i think what you're saying but these are difficult lessons well but it, but as you are saying on the email you just make a point that i have done after you know there is the mystery of productivity as i call it is really about principles tips and habits and using technology to support them. The problem is most people think that technology, it's going to take place or trump the principles, the tips, and the habits. So that's not going to happen. Not yesterday, not today, not tomorrow, even with artificial intelligence. It's not going to happen. So until we understand that component, it's never going to happen. And what happened on these generation gaps that we were discussing early is that is the old, quote unquote, all folks understand. They may not understand the technology, but they understand the principles and the tips and the habits. And the younger crowd, and me guilty if we go back years back, okay, we are so seduced by the power of technology that think, oh, I, if I manage the technology, I will not need this. And what happens is there is a moment that you come and discover, oh, okay, fine, I need both. I need to understand how these principles, these tips, these habits work and how to really use technology so I can embrace them. But that takes time. What tends to happen with the older generations is we know one side of the equation and we are afraid of jump to the other side of understand how this technology it's going to work you know how this technology can make us use the principles the tips and the habits that we have in a much effective way and then you have the other younger crowd that is trying to make it happen with the technology and what is going to happen at some point as it happened to us, is they are going to come to the realization, oh, you need them both. Okay, fine. I now manage this. Let me learn the other side. And that's now when the new gap gets to create. As again, it was created with us. If we go to the point where we were the younger ones managing the technology, okay, it was exactly like that. So we have the older generation telling us that we didn't know anything as hard, you know, point out. And then eventually we got to a point to understand, oh, we need both, get them both and continue moving forward with both. What we are seeing is the same story being repeated, except that now we are the old people. Now we are the ones who understand the importance of those principles, tips and habits. And in many cases, we are ignoring, may not be this group, may not be the four people here in this podcast. But we know a lot of people. I coach a lot of people. I coach a lot of people who can send an email on their phone. Okay. They have the technology, okay, but they don't. They need to go to their PC. They know how to do it in their PC or their Mac. But they have never come and leverage now what is their main device. Their phone is a the device they access the most. It's a screen that they spend more time looking at. But they have not come to leverage that. So they are getting, they're allowing that gap to get 
bigger and bigger and bigger to a point in which there is no more sense to try to close the gap. There's someone who spoke at my conference who I've been, I've been trying to get him online for about 10 years, more, more, probably more. And he, he's a wealth of knowledge, deeply thought, you know, deep thinker, pull, you know, pulls together references from all over the place. Just a joy to listen to. But it took a decade <laughs> to get the first, for, get him up on a recording for the very first time after years of cajoling and begging, <laughs> basically. And there's, there's that on the other side, is that, that, that the, the, the older group, like you said, they, they, might have, they might have all the technology in the phone, but never once send an email. Or they might be able to record anything, anything in their device, that, you know, in the phone, but never actually record any of their thoughts, not even once for distribution. And it's a problem in both directions. I just wanted to add that. Like the thought comes to my mind about the fact that for so long, I've said this probably in all of my adulthood, thinking that people don't want change. People kind of um, are, are very stuck with the habits they have. They're stuck with the, um, the thoughts that they have. Once they have a thought, they really don't want to change that thought. And that seems to be actually a, a generational uh, relic now, which is each younger generation is changing things faster and faster. We, it started with jobs, right? We, we went from this perspective that you had a, an apprenticeship, you got, you know, you, you went into that profession and you did that profession until you retired or died. And uh, today we have now been kind of slowly churning toward this point where now people have multiple careers in their life. And now we have, uh, you know, in, in the, in the human resources space, we have people who are changing careers every two to three years. And I'm, I'm curious if, if that same perspective has really picked up in terms of people, you know, it's like, I'll change technologies as, as quickly as I'll change my underwear, right? It's like, it's just a matter of course it's like oh yeah that's right you know there's there's new there's a there's a kind of an abundance mindset as it relates to information and technology and so holding on to any one particular piece of datum is not as useful as staying in the flow of that data i'm curious what your thoughts are on that well i think there is two elements that are important one is the access of information okay um the the amount of information, knowledge, you know, effective knowledge that you can access not only has come really, really cheap, but also has come widely accessible. If I tomorrow decide I want to learn woodworking, okay, it may not be perfect, but I can catch enough videos in YouTube to get profession out of it and understand which machinery is maybe better, maybe worse, and start the process. Really invest in zero, okay? Mostly my time watching the videos. Even uh, not so long ago, our washer, in the middle of this pandemic thing, the water pump of our washer died. I went to YouTube and said, oh, this is I may be able, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I have for many years joked that I'm a man, but I'm not handy. Uh, so I was able to order the piece, get the piece, replace it, no issues. Those kind of things, okay, 20 years ago will have been impossible. Where do you get the 
the manual, the piece. You know. So I think that has accelerated the change significantly. Add on top of that, you know, that is real now, maybe not during the pandemic months, but it's real that you move from culture to places, you know, doing a move. When, when I moved to the States 20 years ago, that was a big deal, okay? Connect, connectivity was difficult. Talking to my parents was difficult. All those were challenges that needed to be overcome. My kids, is they talk to their grandparents daily over FaceTime. They, they play with their cousins over over FaceTime. They, you know, they have play dates and they have not gone to each other houses. So those things also change on the speed on which you can learn and acquire the skills that allows you to radically change or fine tune also what you want to do in a much faster way. If you wanted to learn how to paint, well, you may need to find who was going to be the master, get to that apprentice. Now, there is a lot of these things that can be learned for almost free, if not free. And number two, that can be learned at a speed that simply was impossible 20 years ago. I think there's a backlash coming, Ray. Um, to, to answer your question and build on what Gusto just said, I think I think there's a there's a because you 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 said that will you ask the question would people spend more time in the flow state rather than jumping around from one thing to the other in terms of their productivity and i asked the question also with respect to conferences will will younger folks spend more time studying their topic their area of expertise and less time figuring out tiktok and how to exploit that i think there's a backlash coming because as we're looking towards next year's conference, we're, 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 we're realizing that just because and we invited some people because, oh, hey, look, they have a huge following. But when we actually, they actually produce the content for the conference, realize that they don't actually have much to say. They may have a following, but they don't really have much to say. It's a little bit like the Kardashians, you know, being famous for being famous. It's like it, it, that has a, it, 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 it didn't exist as far as I know before. It exists now. But I think there's a backlash coming where there's a, a search, there will be a search for signal over flash and noisy technology and fads. And I think there's going to be a sorting out because there's always, there's always a backlash to these kind of things. After you go too far in one direction, you come back again and say, hang on a minute, just because you have how many, like, like what Art said, just because you have how many million followers, does that actually mean that you're saying something of value? And today, the two have gotten conflated. Um, the same same person who has the millions of followers has been invited to conferences. Why? Because they've got millions of followers. <laughs> Not really anything else. It's just that's that's what's going to happen. And I think guys like me who want to put together conferences and want to find find people who say something of great value are going to start to send a signal that if you produced a if you produced a, a presentation at last year's conference that really didn't have any substance, um, even though you have lots of followers, we generally don't want you to come back next year and do the same thing all over again, which is kind of where you're at now. Between this year and next, slow it down, go in the opposite direction, and go actually find something unique and interesting to say. Go do the hard work that kind of we're, we're, we're kind of saying you got to do anyway. 
and forget about the latest TikTok and whatever and, and go be a real expert, not just somebody who says they're an expert because today you can't say you're an expert just because you have a nice Instagram account. God, do we sound this old? Is this really... Do we sound this old? Because I I feel like I ought to stand on my front porch and yell at kids for getting on my lawn right now. Uh, <laughs> let me. I got to back this up half a step. The signal to noise ratio, yes, I completely get. When you when YouTube first came out, everybody's jumping down, up and down. YouTube, this is all junk. This is just cat videos and things like that. Yes, we all know a good portion of YouTube is still cat videos, but it's also the video that allows you to fix your washing machine. It's also the video that allows you to work on your car. It's also the video that teaches you about the thermodynamics of a dying star. That content is there. If we are going to contribute to this, I make two points. One, we never include generation in the conversation again. It gets thrown out because it it clutters the conversation and it muddies the water. There are two aspects to this. One, content creation. Two, content distribution. And Francis, when you're talking about the challenges you had with your conference, I'm hearing a content creation challenge. Those people who are producing this content did not produce content to the level of what you wanted for your conference. That's the area to work on with them. It doesn't matter if they're 25 or 55 or 75. If they produce poor content, it doesn't get received well. On the other side, you may produce great content, but nobody knows about it. That's your content distribution. I do this all the time inside of companies, helping people identify and and find their voice using tools like Yammer and Teams to demonstrate their own developed expertise within these distribution channels. And there's, you have to learn the tools and learn your message and how it's going to come across. And tools like TikTok and things, we can't reasonably say that anybody's going to spend a year learning TikTok. Because honestly, if you spend a year learning TikTok, you need to just get off the computer because it's not that hard. All of these tools are designed to be fast, short learning curve things. And we get, I'm sensing this thing of, okay, they're, they're running with this quickly changing technology. The technology is not changing any faster than it used to. New technologies show up, old technologies go away. Change is not any faster. What they have, the people who are willing to dive into this stuff, have a much lower bar of this isn't going to work. I'm moving on to the next one. It's not that they become an expert and get a PhD in TikTok. They go through it for two main reasons. One, because it's easy to learn how to use it. And two, that's where the audience happens to be. And when that audience moves, they move to the new tool. Perfect example of that, Instagram Reels right now. Reels is trying to do the same thing that TikTok does. Reels is falling on its face. Why? Because the audience isn't there, so the creators aren't there. Doesn't mean that the stuff that's actually on Reels isn't good. It just means that the following isn't there. So again, I go back to that core message. It has nothing to do with a person's generation. It has nothing to do with a person's age. It has nothing to do with anything aside from learning those two channels, distribution and creation, and focusing on getting better at both of those. You know, I have I have empirical evidence that says that the, the, the there's more of a challenge with the 
quality of creation at the younger age and more of a challenge of the distribution at the older age. That there's a there's a, a spread. That it 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 my evidence is that it does have something to do with age. Just for I, you know, I, just from it, what I've is seen. Is it age or is, is it age or experience? And that's where I would push back on that. Both. Is it is it years in a knowledge area? So if the, if somebody has sent, they same. started at twenty. No, let's not necessarily the same. Not necessarily the same at all. Because if you use the the classic ten thousand hours type of thing, if somebody comes and says they have worked in this field for five years, that's five years of work. Well, if they started it at twenty one, they're now twenty six. They've got five years into a field and all the knowledge that comes along with that that can create content. So. Yeah, it's easy to say that the older you are, the more time you've put into that field. But if we use the parallel of how often people change careers, just because somebody's in their 50s doesn't mean they've put an extended amount of time period into that field. I look at people within companies all the time who are shifting within the organization. I'll say, hey, well, you've been doing this job for 18 months. Yeah, but I've been here for 47 years. Well, that's great, but that doesn't mean anything for the eighteen-month job. Point, point taken. There are there are there are definitely exceptions to it, and I think the experience is a better is a better measure than age. And there is still a correlation. You know, it it, it, it took me a year to figure out Instagram. I I, I laughed when you said TikTok. I, have, I don't even know what TikTok is. I never even tried it. I don't know how to take a talk, but it took me a year to figure <laughs> out Instagram. And I, I'm still like, oh my God, what is this thing? And it's, it's like a year, a year and a half now since I've been on Instagram. And I, I feel like I'm totally at sea. So I, I really laughed at what you said. It doesn't take that long. I, I think experience is a more accurate measure than age. But, you know, but age no, no, wait, though. No, wait. I, but you, I think you've hit the key thing. You've absolutely hit, hit the key measure. The challenge is not learning how to use the tool. You can sit down and in 15 to 20 minutes, post a picture on Instagram. You can learn how to do that. Anybody can learn how to do that. Trust me. It's not, it's just a series of buttons. Here's the big challenge. What are you going to post? That's where all of a sudden you hit this roadblock because now, okay, I can send an email, but what am I going to write in it? I can post a blog post, but what am I going to write? I'm going to record a video, but what's going to be recorded? It goes back to that content challenge. And the, the upside of the greater experienced person is they have a deeper well to draw on to put something into that distribution channel. So I think when we think about the, the experienced people and where they get hung up, often it can be they have too much to say. They don't know how to focus their message. They don't know how to understand the audience that's about to consume this message. How can I provide something that is most relevant? I mean, we've all read blog articles and posts and watched videos where the person just absolutely pontificates about a topic. And you're like, yeah, that's great, but it does it's not really relevant. That's exactly the challenge that we're talking about here. To, to kind of Art's point here, as we come up to a close of, of the conversation, to Art's point, we are in this phase where I think people are misunderstanding the functions of learning good promotion and promotional strategy and the technology that underpins that strategy. So 
those who are, have a good eye for the for graphic design, for visual design, for multimedia, they're doing well in promoting themselves and promoting their content in that way. That doesn't mean that the content content has depth, right? The content may may or may not have depth, but they're capable of getting it in front of a lot of people because they are they have an edge in in understanding that. Um, it's it's like you know guerrilla marketing of the '90s. Uh, we're we're in that next technological phase. What I think about it from the perspective of really being productive in any environment requires some level of persuasion, some level of selling what you have to people. And if we can learn these skills, really good presentation skills, I mean, so many people, it doesn't matter what your age is, so many are terrible at presenting information. They don't have a logical order to the to the information they're presenting. And the other part to it is that many times what they don't understand is that there's a there's a narrative, there's a story that you have to tell because we are and have ancient brains, right? We have these parts to ourselves that want things told in a particular way. And if we're given that narrative arc, then we're much more likely to, to you know, sit at the edge of our seats to to lean into the con content and be interested by it. And then we apply technology to that. And then we can make it useful and interesting um, to keep people engaged from a, from just a, an aesthetics perspective, right? And then it becomes a, a functional design challenge. And the technology obviously needs to be married to those pieces, right? We need to figure out what, how do we how do we make uh, a TikTok video, for example, in in Francis's case, uh, or Instagram Reels. Uh, now that Instagram has the same functionality, and will likely become the dominant uh, purveyor of that kind of short form video. Um, you know, they took over stories. Uh, you know, they took over this uh, the idea of of long form um, uh, portrait video with their Instagram IGTV. You know, Facebook is just basically taking what other people are doing, and they're they're gonna they're gonna amass a crowd because they already have that that uh, dominant uh, you know population already there. But like the way in which I think about this is like the next time you have to do a presentation, whether that's for a conference or a webinar or otherwise, think about the skills necessary to convey a message well, and that's the most productive way to to um, to up your your game, right? No matter what generation you're in, and how how much you think you know about technology, there's likely a knowledge gap on one side or a technology gap on the other. And so, like, bring yourself closer to the apex by by walking up one of those more difficult pathways. Does that make sense? Yeah. Here, here's I just want to throw it out before I forget it. Um, if you use LinkedIn on a mobile device. And you haven't been into it recently? Go into it. Microsoft just launched last week LinkedIn Stories, which is the business equivalent of TikTok and Instagram Reels and everything. They're short duration video stories that you can record and share with your um, LinkedIn network. That's a pure business social network that now has this kind of integrated capability in it. So whether, whether we think or not, that this is good or not good. It's here and it's not going away. 
It's the same argument we, we've always made with email. <laughs> no matter how hard we try to kill email, it keeps chugging. Well, this type of approach is here. And I, I agree with everything you just said there, Ray, because so much of this stuff is, it's not dependent on the things. It's dependent on what we do with the things. And we figure out ways around it. I mean, if we're, if, Francis, if I think about the people I had the opportunity to talk with at your conference, which was great, I, I got to talk with people I would never have had the chance to talk with before. Um, if I were able to go back to them and say, here's, here's what I suggest to help you, it would be just what Ray's talking about, the refinement of communicating their message, how to get better at that. The message itself, that's up to them because they know their area, but how to make that more palatable, more absorbable and have greater impact could be the best way for that messaging to be delivered more productively. And that's where I think we use our term productivity for so many different things and so, so many different ways. But when it comes to content creation and distribution, it is literally the transfer of knowledge. And that's what we have to do is can't, how can we find more productive ways to transfer this knowledge? Wonderful. We have reached the top of our time together, and so I want to thank you, gentlemen, for uh, this very impromptu uh, but interesting conversation. And while we are at the end of our discussion, uh, the conversation doesn't have to stop here. If you have a question or a comment, if you agree, possibly disagree, how could that be possible? Uh, <laughs> but if you disagree with us, feel free to visit our episode page on productivitycast.net and uh, share your thoughts. Let us know what you're thinking as it relates to uh as Art said, uh, kind of shirking the concept of generations, but you know what what you think about how you work uh, with this concept of content distribution and content creation and so on and so forth. There on the podcast website at the bottom of each episode page, you can leave a comment or a question, and we'll be happy to read and respond to those. Uh, if this is your first time with us, uh, please consider adding us to your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe by going to productivitycast.net, uh, clicking on the subscribe tab, and you can find the instructions to go ahead and and get episodes downloaded for free every time a new one comes out. If you have a topic about personal productivity you'd like us to discuss on a future cast, please visit productivitycast.net uh, forward slash contact. Uh, you can leave a voice recorded message up to, I think, about a minute, and uh, then we'll, we'll be able to listen to it and play it back here potentially for a future episode. Or you can type us a message and uh, send that along to us in the form, and we'll be able to read and respond to those as well. I want to express my thanks to Augusta Pinaud, Francis Wade, and Art Gelwicks for joining me here on Productivity Cast this and every week. You can learn more about them and their work, again, by going to productivitycast.net as well. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, and on behalf of all of us here at Productivity Cast, here's to your productive life. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity, with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.